Dove Men Plus Care. Only on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Well, a big thanks to Andrew and Afric for the afternoon entertainment. It is Wednesday, December 20th, and you are listening to Game On with me, Shane Dawson, alongside Ruby Walsh. And coming up this evening between now and 7 o'clock, Eamon O'Donoghue from Teneo, Ireland, joins us to discuss the 2023 Teneo Sport and Sponsorships Index with plenty of talking points stemming from this year's findings. Nadine Doherty will join that conversation as well as reflecting on Kilcairn Clumbern's three in a row. And Ruby will let us know what to keep an eye on in racing over the festive period. Well, hopefully it will. <laughs> as always, if you want to stay or have your say, just send us a text on 51552. <laughs> On 2FM. You absolutely will be, Ruby. I've already pencil it in my diary. I don't even believe myself anymore. Four days of Leprosound, four days of Limerick and plenty more besides. Um, that is all to come. We will be chatting ladies football and we'll be getting sucked into the Teneo Sport and Sponsorship Index. But before we do so, a couple of news headlines, starting with the sad news. Awfully hurling great and All-Ireland winner Johnny Flaherty has died aged 74. Flaherty passed away following a short illness. The Kinsey clubman was one of the finest attackers of his generation and helped the faithful county to their first ever Leinster Senior, senior Hurling Championship triumph in 1980. Flaherty's awfully side would defend the title the following year but would go on to an even greater glory, winning their first All-Ireland crown with Flaherty playing a starring role in the faithful's 2-12-15 point victory over defending champions Galway. In association football, the Republic of Ireland will host Belgium and Switzerland as part of an international football-friendly doubleheader. The FEI has confirmed details of the opening game of 2024 to be played in late March when they hope to have Stephen Kenny's successor in place managing the team. Across in England, Nottingham Forest have announced the appointment of Nuno Espirito Santo as their new head coach. He has signed a two-and-a-half-year contract at the city ground following Tuesday's sacking of Steve Cooper. Uh, confirmation from the Premier League, Luton and Bournemouth will be uh, replayed in full uh, at a later date. That one, of course, uh, came uh, to an early ending uh, with the um, medical issues uh, surrounding Luton uh, player Tom Lockyer. Uh, Back at home, Sligo Rovers have made their third signing of the uh, off-season with Shamrock Rovers player Simon Power moving to the showgrounds. Meanwhile, St. Patrick's Athletics uh, Chris Forrester has signed the new long-term contract remained at Inchicore. David Cawley, former Sligo captain, has joined Finn Harps. And finally, Cycling Ireland have named a five-strong team for the UEC Track European Championships in January. The competition will take place in the Netherlands from January 10th to 14th. Will be, staging, uh, will be a staging point for qualification towards the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Mia Griffin, Alice Sharp, Kelly Murphy, Larry Gillespie and Aaron Creighton uh, will participate in the women's endurance events. Ireland are currently ninth in qualifying for the women's team pursuit with the top 10 set to progress to Paris 2024 along with placings in the Omnium and Madison events. So, Sinead, Ruby, Sinead. No, no racing news. It's hardcore that cycling, isn't it? It is. I, I, do you know what's hard? The cyclocross championships, that's where it's at. The cyclocross, that's proper hardcore now. As that was out in the Sport Ireland campus, uh, the World Cup event a couple of weeks ago. And that is combining off-road cycling, carrying your bike in your back if it's too muddy, and a bit of... Then you're not cycling, you're running. Well, that adds to the endurance of it, doesn't it? All right. Yeah. We'll see if that's in the top sports of Teneo Sport and Sponsorship Index. So... Yeah, it's right up there. It is right up there. And um, Eamon Dunhill. Olympic sports, yeah. It is. Uh, cyclocross. No. No. Cyclocross, no. World Cup event, though. Big, big, big in Europe. Big in Europe. Germans, the Belgians, the Dutch. Mad for it. Mad for it. Um, Eamon Donoghue uh, of Teneo joins us. Nadine Darty is also in studio um, to discuss the Teneo Sport and Sponsorship Index 23, which has caused plenty of discussion. To you, anyway. 
plenty of... Sorry. What do you mean by that? You have been in abundance since we came in here, because... We'll there, explain. Go on. We'll explain. OK. So, the main findings from the report are that Katie Taylor was named Ireland's most admired athlete for the seventh year running with a massive 20%. Johnny Sexton and Bundyaki are tied for second with 9%. Andy Farrell's Ireland's men's rugby team is named Team of the Year with 29% of the vote. The Ireland men's rugby team Six Nations Grand Slam triumph and Katie Taylor's defeat of Chantal Cameron are voted the greatest sporting achievements of 2023 tied on 25%. The 2024 Paris Olympics is the sporting event we're most looking forward to. Gaelic Games in top spot as Ireland's favourite sport on 21%, with soccer on 20% and rugby on 14%. And I think that's what you're alluding to, Ruby, that perhaps some people on Twitter have taken an issue, Eamon Dunhu of Teneo, to uh, the, the, the pile on, on social media is, I think, a bit unfair, but the main issue is that Gaelic Games has been classified as a sport when that's not exactly the case. It comprises of a few sports. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Gaelic Games is representing their Gaelic football, hurling, camogie and ladies football. And I suppose the, the rationale or the reasoning behind that would be similar to why we wouldn't break um, rugby down to men's and women's rugby um, sevens, men's rugby, sevens, women's rugby. Um, so it's it's set up like that. As you can see, the the four games or the the, the four codes combined um, are given twenty one percent, and and football, soccer is given twenty percent, which is yeah, like you can see that the the soccer is, is is obviously extremely popular. But that's the way we've done it, kind of consistently over the years. And with these things, kind of the consistency is what gives you the the years of being able being able to compare year on year and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, so we can, as you can see, like soccer has grown percent, gone up a percent in the last year. Gaelic games is pretty solid, and and if you look back on the the recent years, it's kind of been similar to that. Twenty seventeen soccer was was above, so soccer is doing very well considering the 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 national team have been been struggling over the years. Kind of, it's it it shows the, the if you the broke so, if you broke soccer down, so you make it down to international, Premier League, League of Ireland, women's soccer. If you break it down, why would you break down the one sport though? It's the same sport. They, 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 this, this is, and I know, and like, there's a few irked League of Ireland fans, which are probably the most touchy people that you can kind of irk on social media. But if, you break, if you want to get a true reflection, right? Just you say so. You break it down: hurling, football, ladies' football, camogie. Mm. Four sports. You break it down. Yeah, soccer would have to do the same. Why? But, but camogie, hurling, and Gaelic football are vastly different sports, whereas football or soccer or whatever you want to call it soccer is soccer if you play it at international level or if you play it in St. Anne's Park on a Sunday you're still playing but soccer you're including uh, a game that's played in a different country by people that aren't Irish in a pole in Ireland and you want to include the game that is played in Ireland with that one yeah I, I want to include so the, you want the, it all the sport your way. No, 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 sorry, no, 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 genuinely. And Dean, what do you think? Hang on, we've had a say here. You both have very good points. What I would say about the GA, I mean, I would feel that camogie and hurling are very, very different sports. And I would even see now, especially nowadays, ladies' football and men's football, watching them again are completely different sports. But in saying that, you have the same fan base and it's the same country and it's the one umbrella in an essence. I'm kind of with Shane with the soccer. I think, like, if you're a soccer fan, you're a soccer fan. You're probably watching 
the League of Ireland, you're probably watching the Premiership. You're watching you're watching it all the time. Whereas with Gaelic games, would I watch men's football as much as I do women's football every weekend? I probably don't. But that's me personally. But I, I, I think with soccer, it's very, it's much harder to break down. Do, do we have a breakdown, Eamon, from in terms of Gaelic games? Like, what's the most popular Gaelic game? Well, hurling is the most popular at the moment. You can see that across the, even in the, the most popular team or the team of the year. Um, you can see it in terms of uh, hurling is, is, is a good bit above football in, in, a, in a lot of different categories. I think it's an interesting point Ruby made off air in regards to even horse racing in terms of flat and, and, and jumps, like it's 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 different, like, you know, and, and I think that what we try to do here is that like in a survey like this, the fourteenth year of it, is to try and make it as like you can separate things so much. We're trying to kind of trying to be as, as universal as, as possible. But that goes even for the most the venture most looking forward to being the Olympics top on that one in twenty twenty four. But if you actually say, well, the Olympics, are you looking forward to the track and field? Mm. Are you looking forward to the swimming, to the weightlifting, to the golf, to the show jumping? I mean, that's a hugely all-encompassing event. Yeah. Would you group all, all Olympic sports? Should there be an IOC as, as one of the most favourite sports then? If you're, you're grouping all of Gaelic games together? It is grouped together. No, but okay, for, for the looking forward to, I'm talking about the most popular sports, your favourite sport. Sure, like if you're if you're grouping Gaelic games together, surely you go you can group the Olympics together. It's all under one heading. Yeah, but like when you look at the soccer Olympics, it's X amount of professional soccer players, isn't it? Yeah, you can't yeah, bring it under twenty three. Yeah, so you're going to tell me that's the same sport? It's the same game, but it's not the same competition. Well, that comes back to my point that hurling and, and Gaelic football are vastly different sports. Yeah, so I think you should just separate them all, and then the League of Ireland fans will get the news they really want. <laughs> But League of Ireland players are still 2%. playing the same sport. League, League of Ireland wouldn't make it list. I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware. I, I'm not here to defend the League of Ireland, like by any stretch. I'm, I'm just kind of saying that if I go out to St Anne's on a Sunday and playing Sunday League football, I'm playing the same rules for the vast majority as the boys in the Premier League are that are paying the millions. I'm playing the same sport. No, you're trying to play the same sport. You're not playing the same <laughs> Sorry, sport. Sorry, I, I wouldn't be the same skill level. That's completely different. If you put me on the horse and said, jump those fences, I wouldn't know. I'd like, be there. Try, go on, go on there now, Shergar, or whatever, like, and see what happens. But I think, I, I, I think it's interesting, though, to see, like, it's not kind of, sometimes with things like this, you could argue if it was misleading or something like that, but it's, it's definitely not in terms of, you can see, like, Gaelic Games, as I said, is 1% above soccer and that is the four together so like if you wanted to and as I've said there hurling is the most popular of those so like it does represent the strength of those sports individually and then in breaking it down there definitely is an argument for like how many of those um, people are interested in in Premier League or but it's it's interesting when you do break it down in terms of favourite sport that like so say soccer for males aged 18 to 24 47% choose soccer as their favourite sport um, and 25 to 34 38% so like for young males soccer is overwhelming and then rugby which is kind of very consistent when we break because with these with the TSSI we break it down um, it represents like we go across different ages 1000 people surveyed across different age region gender and social class um, so then we kind of get the results broke down like that and rugby is quite consistent across them um, but rugby's main like cohort of uh, people who pick it as their favourite is 55 plus um, 
so yeah it's just interesting and after that it's 45 plus so you kind of can really see soccer for young males rugby for old males and they're kind of the of the male female breakdown they're the two kind of the kind of two biggest almost extremes so. what's what's the biggest for female well for female it's interesting because say when you break it down into um so say into favorite athlete um so katie taylor for instance is Katie Taylor is the most is a favorite athlete mainly for the women vote very strongly for her but she's also for for males as well but like say Johnny Sexton for for females 18 to 24 Johnny Sexton is the is is very popular where he's he's nowhere near the the figure for for males um and then like say for the the team of the year women's football at the women's football team like for women's it's 34% um of women pick the women's football team and then where it wouldn't be near as strong for males so you can see some there's some are universal and there's some are really strong for for women and, and that's good because a lot of the push for um the promotion even before the women's world cup was for like women to support women's football and you can see that's kind of been successful there in terms of 34 yeah, percent of of women their favorite their their favorite team is the women's football team and I'd say with Johnny Sexton, similarly, because of the World Cup this year, because of the Six Nations, um, that demographic of young women, 18 to 24, they were probably out socialising for the majority of those tournaments. You know, it is, it is all about visibility, but it's fantastic that the women's soccer team is up there in terms of numbers with Johnny Sexton staying on, on an individual basis um, because it's, it's exposure and because it has been out there and had it not been to that extent, I would say there would you wouldn't have had near 34% in that regard with the women's football team. So that's, that's a huge positive. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. And, and you can see it across like... Um, I suppose some of the, the other findings that were popular on Twitter with, with some of your uh, Twitter activity, Shane, um, people asking kind of about Conor McGregor being the most admired and you can see that with, um, like for young males again, um, like he's, he comes second or he comes third actually in, in most males. admired sports people. Most for someone who hasn't people. competed in sport in the past yeah. year, it has to be said. Yeah. And like, so he's somebody who in 2016, he won it. In 2017, he was at eight percent, and then he's kind of hasn't hasn't featured at all until this year. He's gone up from two percent to four percent, but for 18 to 24 year olds, 14 percent um, have him down as like you know. So he comes third in that. And an interesting one going back to soccer is uh, second on that list is Evan Ferguson. So Evan Ferguson, 13 percent of 18 to 24 year old males. But Evan did, Ferguson I, is their most admired sports person, where he's like for basically all other quotas he doesn't come into it at all so do you compile this list at the start of the year and you give people multiple choices yeah so we give multiple choices but uh well we'd be compiling the list kind of suppose throughout the year and then you know if there's if there's additional so people what's the qualifying criteria it. so it's a pretty exhaustive list like so there would be the qualifying criteria would be kind of anyone who kind of done anything notable in in sport of in Which the would year be partaking in sport yeah can i ask why conor mcgregor was on the long list then that's where I'm getting to. Yeah, Sorry, so... <laughs> no, apologies for taking over. I was going the long way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's... it's There's some athletes there who... It's kind of more of an adding on the athletes to it rather than taking them away. So, um, yeah, like Conor McGregor would have... Obviously, he hasn't fought, but I suppose at the same time, he's kind of in the last year... Yeah, in the last year, he hasn't fought, but he's still involved in sport massively. He's still involved in the in the industry massively. And so why isn't Ray Keane on it? Yeah, well, Roy Keane's retired though, officially kind of retired. But he's like. still massively involved in football. Yeah, well, McGregor was was due to fight 
last year and then kind of fell through a couple of times so um yeah like he's he's still an active athlete he's still supposed to be fighting next year and yeah so this is the, the view of the general public and not a survey of sports fans yes and and the research was carried out between November 23rd and December 12th so you compiled the long list and then it's two different omnibuses yeah okay so it is based not on sporting achievement about about how Nadine was kind of saying about how people are marketed and how visible people are as well and I think that's the point you're making with, with Johnny Sexton and people actually watching the World Cup and that kind of being in the media yeah and so could it be argued maybe that Conor McGregor has scored so highly because he's so active on Twitter he's so active on social media um, had he fought this year I think we would have all been surprised but uh, just in terms of people who, who didn't feature and might let's say Rashida Adelecki I mean yeah. what a talent um, and in terms of her competitions this year she was so active and so successful that success I suppose backfired against her in the in the world when she came forth um, because of the long season in America but surely at some stage she'll be added to that and you know yeah well she she was she was she was on the list and she got I think two percent um uh, she was she was down two percent for most admired but like yeah she would have been one that I, I personally would have thought that she would yeah. have scored better but it's it's one that you kind of see um described uh, to me as odds and odd and even kind of years in terms of you know on the years of Olympics um, on the years of major soccer tournaments you're going to have soccer players and athletes are going to do that bit better and on the years of you know after rugby world cup you're seeing you know, rugby players do well but but it's very interesting it's very unique in that sense that like a this is like it's raw data it's not opinions like a lot of awards kind of a panel of of journalists opinions this is this is raw raw data coming from a thousand people and it is different as well in that it's it's the general public like so them things are interesting somebody could say it's it's not being pushed as being uh who's the best sports person it is very much in terms of marketability in terms of just for general public and that and that stuff is interesting and and, and that's a part of the the industry and it's part of being a successful sports person overall is how you um how you interact with the industry and is there anybody there who you see you know potentially next year really moving up the list well I, th I think that's why it's really interesting from uh, looking at um, 18 to 24 year olds because in the industry in the media industry it's kind of from 18 down especially but even from that segment it's kind of it's kind of people are wondering you know how to engage with them because they're they're on different types of social media and just to see what their interests are and said seeing the strength of soccer seeing the strength of evan ferguson i suppose even seeing mcgregor in there but um but evan ferguson in particular with that that was a real standout um figure you know 13 of young males are, are interested in, are like you know admire him most so um i thought that was interesting um yeah, so he'd be one to watch out for. And then obviously it depends on the success. Like you can see someone like Johnny Sexton who is achieving very high now. And, and I suppose over the years he'd have been someone who, as we're saying, this is kind of a, a survey of, you know, favourite, favourite, most admired. And he's someone who would have very much concentrated on what he did on the field. And maybe he wouldn't have been seen universally as like, as he wouldn't have been a favourite for everyone. But of, in latter years, he's coming around to that and you can see like now this year and he's in his last year, he's second, you know, so you just never really know. It depends on, it depends on the story that unfolds and, and that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? It's full of stories. So what would be the age demographic then behind Rory McIlroy? 
Rory McIlroy, like a lot of them, like a lot, like the the ones that we picked out were kind of the the outliers. Like where likes of Rory McIlroy kind of was pretty consistent across the base. You 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 would have thought, as I said, we go gender, um, age, social class, like region. You would have thought that in some sports that some of them would be kind of but for, for, for the golf for the rugby it was pretty similar and I think it's quite interesting and I think it's a good thing of kind of Irish society and Irish sport in that you know it, we aren't that divided in class and we aren't that divided I think if you're in America you know you would see different class and different regions and different age it would be really polar where some of the sports aren't as polarised some of the athletes aren't as polarised So generally more say a general sports fan or general appreciation of sport general yeah yeah like he he for for likes to Rory McIlroy there yeah it was it was pretty consistent across it wasn't anything that stood out in terms of uh, admired for him um and likewise for golf there wasn't a kind of a standout um cohort that um that that picked him as most admired or picked that as favorite sport would you be concerned Ruby that racing is only three percent in, in terms of popularity and I ask this I'm not trying to start around I'm sincerely asking in terms of would you be concerned that it's only 3% and it's it's long term growth or continuation of growth in, in popularity and intense is going to race meetings yeah I suppose you should be but not necessarily because I racing A isn't even in the sport in the government it's in agriculture because it's an industry so right, the racing is only the, the shop window of a very big industry that's right the way behind it and racing tends to attract it's on every day so it tends to attract more people midweek that are older and then the festivals are where you get crowds so that's the way racing has always been there's probably too much racing now I would too, too many meets yeah too many meetings yeah it needs to be made smaller to be made bigger again but that's going to take somebody with very big is there ambition is, is, <laughs> no, <laughs> is there an over reliance on government funding then and, and in terms of not enough emphasis on promoting the, the sport side of I it I wouldn't have thought so um, I'd say for the industry when you look at the sheer volume of employment and then trade export uh, stallion nominations etc what did sport gets at the very top is more than made up for what comes through the industry back in it's I would imagine that in any part of the government if they could invest the amount of money they invest into the sport of horse racing that would create the amount of jobs it creates and create then the trickle down economics and and employ and gross taxes back into the exchequer I'd say the country would be going an awful lot better Okay now that is interesting I was Genuinely in, in, intrigued about that. To be fair, um, the difference, Eamon, between greatest sporting achievement and most memorable moment. I'm right in saying they're they're yeah. two different groupings. Yeah. So, like, even in kind of in a, a horse racing um, capacity, like Honeysuckle's moment. You know, it's, it's horse racing moment is you know the Rachel Blackmore's interview and and the scenes after Honeysuckle's victory in Cheltenham that was kind of a it was a moment whereas it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been you know, a Gold Cup victory was the highest achievement in horse racing um, as as an achievement so like there is a difference between moments and like so in the Hurling Championship a moment would be that was one of the higher scoring uh, moments was say Owen Murphy's save for Kilkenny against Clare last minute save and where an achievement would be something as straight as Limerick 
you know, four four yeah. in a row, like you know. So it's kind of moments and, and achievements. But what's the breakdown then of the thousand people in people who are sports fans and not sports fans? Because I highly doubt many people who aren't interested in sport would know about Murphy Save. Yeah, well, it's like it doesn't it doesn't it breaks down on gender, age, region, and social class. So it doesn't okay. break down on on sports fans and and fans. So like. Yeah, so that that would be reflective in the results in terms of yeah, like the general public, how many of them are sports fans, you know. So, yeah, and then and that's why Owen Murphy. If you were to do this for sports fans, like for me, that was the highlight of, that was the moment of the GA Championship. Like like him doing that save, like that was just stunning. Like moment, mm. it wasn't the achie- achievement, but it didn't achieve. It didn't stand out massively high because again, for the general public, they're they're looking and 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 GA is very parochial as well like so you know like the someone from Cork or isn't going to or someone from Limerick isn't going to put in an achievement from Kilkenny like yeah like your moment is your your sports feels like Elaine Buckley who works here like all the reels she does for before a J match or a big tournament mm. like your moment are your sports feels so I'd say that's it's very hard in terms of getting an overwhelming vote for one because like, as you said depending on where you're from or what you like watching it's going to be very very different in terms of votes but yeah it's all like emotions feelings yeah, yeah and it's Katie it's, McCabe's goal like yeah, yeah and was that one moment of the World Cup that we well, yeah that's a very <laughs> that's a very personal thing to to you like yeah well yeah I'd say it was no, no, not to you personally yeah. but I mean to, to anyone yeah. like if you're yeah. kind of saying what was your big memorable moment but there was one moment for Ireland in that World Cup and like remember we were in here talking about it in the lead up and remember Alan Cawley in here one night and we were talking about you know the hopes for the World Cup and so on and we just said if we even had one moment and that essentially yeah. is all that we had so I was surprised that the girls singing the national anthem came in above the goal yeah like yeah. that was kind of um, yeah. I suppose like last year like the achievement would have been qualifying you know and then for us like it would have been like they were the two like the women's I suppose that moment of standing for the anthem and just kind of like some sometimes the moment is more specific as in the goal or as in the save but sometimes it's also like a moment in time like such as um, like celebrating a, a victory at the end like it, that moment sometimes is even bigger than the, the achievement and sometimes a, a moment can be an achievement as well like so um, yeah but it's like it's the most memorable moment as well like so and then the, the biggest achievement so sometimes as you said there's the feeling is very much in the memorable moment and the achievement then should be very like cold on like what is yeah, what yeah. was the biggest thing and 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 I suppose the achievement is the the, the, mo- the moment and the achievement they're very different. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, brilliantly explained as well because it is very very different. I would have thought the moment you said Katie's goal. The moment for me was to watch them walking out into a full stadium, seventy five thousand people, whatever. For it was. first match, I just thought that was incredible. <laughs> you you would agree with the ten percent of people standing for the national anthem on the World Cup debut against Australia in front of that crowd? So you you'd have that ahead I of it. Yeah. When you look at women's soccer and you watch them standing there, mm. whatever the crowd was, seventy five thousand, eighty two thousand, mm. whatever it was. How I, far they've come? I thought that was some moment myself. Yeah. And it's similarly with the FAI Cup final, like St. Pat's winning the FAI Cup final, it's the achievement, like the ten record attendance, and the moment that kind of flashes up, and that's mm-hmm. that moment kind of was what was on the on the bulletins or the bulletins rather than the Pat's winning the cup. Rather, Pat's winning the cup, like mm-hmm. you know, and for the people who were there, and for League of Ireland fans, like that's they're remembering that, like you know, and even 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 that image was what was on the bulletins instead of that flashing up on the screen. So, yeah, it is, and. Uh, that's that 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 moment as well. Like it's 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 an important part of the kind of the overall survey again because it's it's the general public, it's a general feeling, and this kind of the TSI in general gives us 
gives us a really good feeling of like the pulse of the nation essentially you know who who they like and that going back to Katie like she's winning seven years in a row and she's not just winning she's dominating like which kind of t- tells us a lot about like ourselves tells us a lot about ourselves and what an emotion, we like. there's an emotional attachment to a moment yeah there is like when you look at mm. the, the women's soccer team as pride when you watch Tony Suckle coming back into the parade ring in Cheltenham and the emotion in that and the pride and the delight for everybody it has to have a moment has to have an emotional attachment tearjerker that's like yeah. that it, like watching the women's that national anthem I, I'd kind of agree with Ruby I know you were kind of saying Nadine about the goal but I think that seeing those players and then thinking back of getting changed in, in airport toilets and everything that they've overcome the growth of the domestic league everything that's every barrier that's been put in front of women in soccer in this country they've overcome back to the Emma Burns the Karen Duggins and everyone now and every player that lined out in the World Cup as well like that's just it's in a moment in, in itself but it's a broader kind of picture of the journey Oh yeah, massive, like massively broad context and just getting back to like the tear-jerking part, the reason I picked the goal, I probably cried more at the goal than I did with them coming out for the anthem, but totally Shane, I mean, amazing and even coming back to another moment was a couple of months ago when they walked out in front of what, 45,000 in the Aviva, like that's Mm. another massive moment and an achievement in itself as well, even though I know they're different, but as you said, Eamon, you know, they're often paired, um, but can you imagine what that moment was like? for the girls themselves mm. I mean just incredible what you were saying there Ruby about you know sometimes we have emotions around women and like it's so good to hear you say that because often with men it's actually and it has been in the past it's like a negative emotion towards female sports athletes sometimes you know and we're talking about Twitter and different things but it just shows how far so much has come and so much has changed and it's turned around in that context that women are now really really having that positive impact and and I feel women in sport in general is just more respected in, in that aspect but then look you could argue it another way Katie has been top for seven years so Mary Earps winning BBC Mary Earps winning BBC Massive Which massive, is a good thing yeah. and also yeah some of the negative mm. remarks on, on social media but say even KE winning at seven years in a row um, the Irish women's football team they were team of the year last year and this year they're, they're second Rachel Blackmore has, she's she's fourth now like she's there was, there was a joint second like she was she was uh, in the top three last year like you're seeing that it's not that kind of thing of you know they've done well and people are like oh you know I'm going to put them down like these are the most admired athletes that we have in the country now the most admired teams like like if you were to pick out your standout Irish international stars you know you've you've Katie Taylor Katie McCabe Leona Maguire like they're superstars like and, and I don't think it's kind of which which it needs to is getting to the stage where it's not they're superstars in the in female sport they're just there are kind of there are superstars now you know and, and it's, it's 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 really great to have that and we've seen that last year and that was kind of one of the big um, kind of statements of the TSSI last year and it's even better that you know it's, it's, it's continued and you got even more Well if you want to have a good row over your Christmas dinner I suggest you download this report <laughs> throw it in the middle of the table and toss it around amongst yourselves finally, finally one moment that didn't get a mention surely Shane Lowry looking after Rory McIlroy putting him in the car yeah, the yeah. big brother that's that's see again that's that was a most sporting achievement and a moment I think that was a moment. <laughs> well, yeah. let, let's finish. On what was your most memorable moment of of twenty twenty? Me at the moment I was lucky to be in Cheltenham, Cheltenham witnessing that. And yeah. I say that was even extra emotional because you were there. You were at. It was just yeah. yeah one of those things you don't forget. Nadine, what was your memorable? I had Katie Taylor down um, and also do you know what I really loved I loved James McCarthy's interview after the All-Ireland final 
Mm. I just thought it was lovely because, you know, you get, especially with the Dublin footballers and GA lads in general now, like it's very media trained, it's very rehearsed, you don't get a lot of honesty as such. And I just thought it was lovely and he was so emotional and you could see what it meant to him and you could really get from it like the work that was put in. I mean, we all know how much work they put in, but mm. like it was real raw and it was lovely. I, I loved that. You'll always get honesty from the North Side, isn't it, Dean? Don't yes, worry this about is that. True. Amy Dunne, what was your most memorable moment? Um, I suppose for for me the which finished third was the Irish players celebrating after the win over South Africa in the World Cup and it's a funny one for anyone who know me and that like I'm I'm not a rugby background or a massive rugby fan but at the same time I just think it was kind of there was an element of kind of proud pride at, like the, the Irish team were in the World Cup they mm. were favourites I know that rugby isn't as global a sport as, as football in terms of the competition but like world number one being the reigning champions as favourites being favourites to win a World Cup you had like a massive amount of Irish people over there um, it was kind of felt like a bit of a reflection of Ireland which there's still obviously a, a, lot, a lot of um, issues in the country but like it was a reflection on kind of the growth of the country and it was kind of just it was, it was a, a, a remember feeling very proud trying to get tickets then for the New Zealand game getting them and then realising the absolute insane cost and, and um, the amount of flights and buses and everything that I'd have to go over and get there and, and reselling them pretty quickly and then being really happy when they lost that, that I hadn't wasted all that money. <laughs> so there, that's my, my moment. You're definitely not a rugby man. <laughs> my, moment, my moment in story. Yeah, it was well, either that or naming something in GA which would have shown my true colours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, Eamon Dunhill from Taneo, um Ireland, thank you very much uh, for popping in the studio. Uh, Nadine, sticking around, we're going to chat ladies football in due course, but up after the break we are going to be chatting uh, racing with Ruby. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin. Hey, you're very welcome back to Game On as we turn our attention to racing. Nadine Doherty is still here. We'll be chatting ladies football very shortly. But Ruby Walsh, what should we be looking forward to over the festive period of racing? Let us begin with four days of Leopardstown. Um, and they're all on RT television. They are RT television, and obviously, Stane Stevens is there. It is the Racing Post. Novices Chase will be a cracker, as it usually is. You'll have Fasal Vega, found a 50 in the pocket, who was second to Fasal Vega at Navin and looked a very, very good horse. You could throw in maybe horses like Charge, you let that Tomp. It'll be a cracking race, Shane. It's good racing. Leperstown tends to build. Okay. First day is. Guaranteed a crowd at Stevens' day, somewhere to go, something to do. Yeah, um, you want to get, get away from the family. Yeah, yeah. you've had enough of them. Uh, <laughs> Rowing over the Taneo report, um, <laughs> you want to move on. So, um, you know, it gets stronger as, as the week goes on in Leperstown, which is always a good thing. So that's the 26th, 27th, then Paddy Power race day. So, what's on the cards? Yeah, you have the Paddy's Rewards Club chase, um, which is early enough in the card on Paddy Power Day. Uh, probably have Captain Guinness, Rachel Blackmore for Henry the Bromhead, Wonderful Tria chase in good style at Navin. You'll have Dysart, Dynamo, Gentleman to Me, maybe Dino Blue and Say It Roy. Um, and Willie has appreciated there as well. So, look, it won't be a huge field numerically, Shane, but it'll be a cracking contest. And coming up after that is the Paddy Power Future Champions Novice Hurdle, and there's some belting names in here. Not names that many people will know, but these are horses of the future. Um, Caldwell Potter, Daddy Longlegs, Down Memory Lane, uh, It's For Me, Mystical Power, Better Days Ahead. There's some these are talent. to the complete novice these are kind of the, the young guns that are going to be stars of the future like. champions have to come from somewhere and they start as okay. novices and yeah. I mean and, 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 they, and they make their way through and uh, the, the, of all the maiden hurdle winners the, the 
first race you win over jumps is a maiden hurdle so of all the maiden hurdle winners in the last couple of weeks once you've won you can only win one maiden once you broke your maiden yeah. you're out of it they're into a novice and then they all clash in a novice hurdle like this and you get a belting contest and there'll be strong opinions as to which is best and various opinions like that but I would think that's an absolute crack in novice hurdle and the feature of course is the Paddy Power Handicap Chase on the card and I'm not even going to have a stab at that third no. handicap chase best of luck <laughs> plenty of choice uh, the 28th then uh, Jack the Bromhead Christmas Hurdle and the Savile Steeplechase as well yeah and the Savile's could be an absolute cracker but in the Jack the Bromhead Christmas Hurdle it's the three mile hurdle race no English runners they'll all be running the long walk this Saturday in Ascot so it'll be Irish horses only um, and we're, look you're looking for a new a new star and that could potentially be Irish point of Gordon Elliott's he won a two mile four furlong grade one novice hurdle last year in Aintree he was good on his reappearance at Down Royal okay. uh, when he won over two miles now he's stepping up the tree is he going to stay will he won't he I think he will I think he's a lovely relaxed way of going through a race he's a good jumper and yeah, I, I think he's ideal and it's a division that's waiting to be to be waiting for a horse to jump mm. into it and stand out in it and then you'll have the Savile's Chase where it looks at the moment like a Plutar uh, Gaelic War uh, not Gaelic War a Plutar Fast or Slow Gallop in the Champ Jerry Kalam are all going to line up I mean that's and Envoy Allen it's going to be an they're the big boys they're the big ones yeah, yeah you know those Shane do you I do yeah <laughs> <laughs> well on the, if I'm looking for something to do on my birthday Ruby you, would you recommend me to get down to Leopardstown on the 29th I, so? uh, I would that's on the 28th 29th again a good three mile novice chase on the 29th the Neville Hotels uh, favourite to Sean Dew Gordon Elliott was a good winner at Punchestown in his last start you could have American Mike as well and Flooring Porter would be much better going left handed and you'll also have the Matheson Hurdle which could see Imperia Pass and Statement Clash so two proper grade ones there and Limerick have changed a bit this year Shane traditionally the Faheen novice chase was on the 26th it's been moved to the 28th this year which is the best race at the Limerick meeting um, and you could have Corbett's Cross Gaelic Warrior uh, maybe Grange Clare West if he doesn't go to Kempton but that'll be a really good race as well down in Limerick on the 28th OK so usually on the 26th so it won't be clashing with the King George at Kempton which is on St Stephen's Day Yeah and look a couple of Irish runners going well Aloha is going to go anyway he'd be the, the main one he'd be having to take on Brave Man's Game of Paul Nichols who won the race last year and um, you also have Shishkin who failed to jump off on his last start at Ascot but look he's a really good horse Shishkin if he's on a going day Royal Pagai won at Haydock he's in there as well um, it's a good it's a good King George Alaho look if he is still the horse that won two Ryanair chases in 21 and 22 he mm. obviously missed most of 2023 with a spleen injury which is highly rare for a horse um, but he's back on the go he won a Clonmel on his comeback run he looks to be in really good form at home and um, yeah he's he definitely has a favourite chance in the King George Okay, uh, the Welsh national is on the twenty seventh. Yeah, one big genius of uh, John Joe O'Neill's was a good third in the or second even in the Coral Gold Cup at Newbury uh, back in early December. He looks teed up for it. He's he's the long term anti post favourite, but Welsh national is a hard race, uh, really stamina sapping contest, and uh, John Joe's horse looks ideal for that. Okay, so that's all to look forward to over the the festive period. Um, we were talking about memorable moments and everything. You've kind of already given away this uh, question that I'm going to pose to you about your racing highlight of 2023. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that wasn't as regards achievement, and it was great to see Honeysuckle back winning at winning at Cheltenham, and she retired on a high. But that was one it was an incredible moment, mm. and it was hugely emotional, and it was brilliant to be there, and it was just one of those 
moments in life that you won't forget um, and it was great to be there but ach- achievement wise I would probably look on 2023 as for Paul Townend really I know he was nominated for the RT Sports Awards mm. last weekend but he had an incredible year at the top level and he's been champion jockey numerous times but it was some of the rides in the biggest races this year that stood out Clay, classical dream back at Punchestown I am Maximus in the Irish National Gallop in the Champ in the Gold Cup huge rides big days lots of pressure the pressure of expectation and he delivered and he handled it well yeah and he delivered. Was, was that a surprise to you? no it wasn't but I was just delighted that he, to see him do it mm. and then get the recognition for it that he richly deserves and you know you look at 2023 and you're thinking well what about 2024 well at the moment you know Jack Kennedy is back and he's fit and he's riding incredibly well he leads Paul by 23 in the Jockeys Championship Gordon Elliott leads Willie Mullins by about 600,000 in the Trainers Championship you know Willie and Paul have to go and chase Jack and Gordon down and that'll make the first half of 2024 really exciting how much does that rivalry drive jockeys? Like, is that how much would that spur uh, you on? It'd be a friendly rivalry. There wouldn't, okay. It would. It'd be. It'd be racing is um, very. Di- I say different. It's more like golfers. They were, you know, if you're in the same change. You change beside the mm. opposition. There's not different changing rooms. Um, they'd share lifts. They would be healthy competition that would be respectful. And, um, but it spur you on in terms of a bit of extra motivation when you're yeah, chasing those those titles, are, those numbers. Like Paul is champion and he'll want to retain that. Jack has never been champion; he'll want to win that. Same then for Willie and Gordon. Willie is champion seventeen times or whatever it is. Mm. Gordon has never been; he'll want to win that. It makes great competition, but there'll be no animosity in it. It'll just be really good, healthy competition. Okay, well, I'm very much looking forward um, to 2024 and indeed the festive uh, racing period. We're going to take a short break and then we are going to chat uh, Gaelic Games with Nadine Doherty. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72 hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin. Game on. Ladies football. Now you're very welcome back to the final part of this evening's Game On with me Shane Dawson alongside Ruby Walsh and Nadine Doherty is still here as we chat about Gaelic football the one sport that is Gaelic football uh, ladies football to be precise and to be more precise we will chat about uh, Galway's Kilcair and uh, Clonburn uh, securing three in a row uh, club titles a fantastic achievement in a very one-sided match Oh yeah, very one-sided now I got a text of somebody with about just before Ballymac started their, their scoring flurry and I got a text from a friend who was like I, I don't know if I can watch this any longer but I totally disagreed in the sense of while Kilcarran were I mean miles ahead of Ballymac it was quite an entertaining game because Kilcarran are just so lovely to watch I mean I was I was watching the game thinking if half the county teams throughout the year were as entertaining as Kilcarran were at the weekend um, the sport what, what would be in a better place I just think that, I mean they just play to their strength Shane like they're, they're, we spoke last week about their pace mm. you know you were saying to me what's going to get them over the line it was going to be their pace they play to those strengths I mean they could easily pack their defence uh, because their full back line isn't the best in the business by any means you know they, they don't have any county players there so they could pack the defence and play more defensive football like Galway have done the county team but they don't they play to their strengths they play to the speed transition really quickly to attack they have some unbelievable forwards up there two feet comfortable from scoring from anywhere so they just play to those strengths whereas you know and I feel they have a management team in place there who understand the strength of their team and where the strengths lie and instead of just I suppose sitting back and 
getting on board with this boring mode of football that managers seem to be taking on board. They don't. They're they're doing their own thing and they're doing it brilliantly. And I'm I'm delighted that they have three in a row. And I think that they can go on and do another three in a row. Um, unless somebody from Dublin perhaps comes in in the next few years and knocks them off their perch. Nafina, your own club, Nafina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, Croaks beat them now very well in the final, but they're they're a very good chance, you know. And that's the thing about Dublin, having played in Dublin for years, you know, it's it's very hard to get out of Dublin, and there's huge competition there. But Croaks, I'd say they were watching that game, and they were sick. I'd what, say they were sick. What's the age demographic of the Kilcarrant team? Very young, really, like really young. I'd say the the two wards. They're late 20s and they'd be, old, you know, a few of the older players. There could be one or two club players, early 30s. But I mean, you're looking at early 20s, mid 20s, plenty of life there. <laughs> Loads of years left. Uh, yeah. Now, in saying that, like Ballymac had two two girls in the, the full forward line who were 15, you know, 15 and 16. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Um, very young as well. Uh, but yeah, Kilcarran, they, they just really have an opportunity to go on and dominate. And as I said, lovely, lovely to watch. No, it is. It is good to see. I, I teed you up there for you know Nafina return. Nadine Doherty playing the the the. No, I managed Nafina a couple of years ago, and it was a you come back it was for brilliant, and it was an honour. But the time, no, the time it takes, uh, no. But but look, just with Kilcairn, you know, and and I always speak about this, and and I hate to deflect away from Kilcairn and their achievement. It'll be interesting to see what Galway do this year, and mm. um, because the potential is there uh, with that that team and you know I think they have about 10 or 12 on that Galway panel Galway just won the minor All-Ireland there's huge potential there for Galway but we'll, we'll Will that click? I don't know I don't know they have a new manager in there now again the, the guy who coached the, the minors the All-Ireland mm. last year um, so if anybody's in a position to do it possibly it's him uh, you just don't know I don't know what it is with these players I mean you looked at Nicola Ward there at the weekend I thought she was absolutely outstanding from centre back she knew when to hold she knew when to go when they were I wouldn't even say under pressure up front but when Bally Mack had a good few players back she was always the player coming off the shoulder she was creating space um, and then when I see her playing for Galway while she's always very effective I always feel she's just kind of held back a bit so it's how he utilises those top players um, Olivia Devilly again another example I mean she could be player of the Year for, for Kilcarran, player of the game nearly in every Kilcarran match, and then she goes out and performs for Galway, and it's kind of it's a bit sporadic. It's here and there, you know. She's fantastic one game, or she'll be fantastic for fifteen minutes of another. But she's just they're just not getting the best out of those players. So we'll see what um, I think Daniel Moynihan is, and then we'll see see what he does in January. It's coming around the corner very soon. Mm-hmm. But Dublin were good winners. Oh, the All Ireland. So how far have Galway to go? Well, you see, that's it, Ruby. Like, I was chatting to him in there before we came on air, and I just felt that win for Dublin was a massive achievement. I would have put Galway ahead of Dublin at the start of the year. But again, it's going back to management. Mick Bowen came in, had lost probably four or five of his warriors, as he would have called them over the years. And he came in, he totally recalibrated everything that Dublin had been doing over the last few years because he looked at the players he had at his disposable. He said, I can't play the game plan that I've been playing. I'm going to tweak it a bit. And he absolutely blew everybody out of the water come the, the championship. I mean, hammered Donegal by 15-odd points. Ha- absolutely hammered Kerry out the door in that final. So it can be done, you know. So I don't think Galway are that be- far behind on paper. We'll see. And how did me drop so quickly? 
Yeah, I think it was just a mixture. I mean, only the Meath team will know themselves, but it was a mixture of, I don't think management and players fitted well together. Davy Nelson, when he came in at the beginning of last year, um, after a couple of months, it was quite evident that it just wasn't really working. Um, Vicky Wall was a huge loss, obviously, in the league. You know, and when you don't have a player like that, you know, we're talking about athletes. I could see her on that list very shortly, very soon. You know, she was with the Sevens in the background obviously doing a bit of training with them how much training was she doing with me Emma Duggan their other superstar she was injured she was kind of in and out of the team and then they lost two or three other players I think there were a few cruciate injuries so they were very unlucky in terms of names and players at their disposal but I think the whole management setup just it it didn't work for them and then they ended up going back to I think coaches from last year with Jenny Rispin at the helm so it just it just wasn't their year this year they have uh, Shane McCormick in who was the manager of Armagh for the last two years I think um, we'll see if that works but again I think without Vicky Wall it's massive you know and, and you hate to even at county level put so much emphasis on one player but she is that kind of player like she is that special as we all know so she needs to look at Kerry in the men's and look at David Clifford well this is it you player, take Clifford out of that can be anything yeah yeah, so I, th- I just think with me that was a cumulation of so much. Um, I do think, though, that this year, look, they'll be in the... T- I don't think they'll be challenging for an All-Ireland, but I think they'll be in the top five. You know, we'll see them at the latter end of the championship. What about a highlight? Uh, highlight... I had a few on the pitch. Uh, Louise Nuvara-Hertig's performance against Mayo in the semi-final, like the David Clifford in the, in the women's side of things, player of the year. She scored 110 out of 111. I think Mayo tried three or four players on her that day and she was just class. You just knew every time she'd get the ball. And it's not often you get that. You know, it's really, really special. I felt that was a moment as a whole. Um, other individuals, Leah Caffrey's performance in the All-Ireland final and Louise Nuvara-Hertig actually, ironically, was... Uh, also class and I just think Dublin in general as I spoke about I just love to see a manager coming in and sticking to their guns um, and what Bohan achieved with Dublin was phenomenal and very quickly um, the players charter the discussions there I think that's a huge highlight it's a huge moment but it has to be followed through into next year and that's definitely what I'm most looking forward to next year see where that goes not before time I thought Kildare surely get a mention but the ladies but <laughs> anyway, thank you very much see how they get on next year <laughs> thank you very much for your time this evening Shane Dawson it's a privilege as always Better to Silva's up next